Resurrection day, when I see the one who took my sins away, when all the trials of life would have all passed away, 
Oh. 
on the image of me, of this earthly life, and I'll bear the image of eternal life. Now I'm home at last, because you made the way by his love for me and his amazing grace. I'm finally Resurrection day When I see the one Who took my sins away When all the trials of life Would have all passed away And Jesus Christ Wipes my tears away I'll finally be Home at last Finally be Made the way by his love for me 
Resurrection day When I see the one Who took my sins away When all the trials of life Would have all passed away And Jesus Christ Wipes my tears away I'll finally be Home at last Finally be
Resurrection Day When I see the one Who took my sins away When all the trials of life Would have all passed away And Jesus Christ Wipes my tears away Well, now I'm home at last. 
resurrection day when I see the one who took my sins away when all the trials of life would have all passed away and Jesus Christ wipes my tears away I'll finally be of this earthly life and I'll bear the image of eternal life now I'm home at last because he made the way by his love for me and his amazing grace I'm finally Resurrection day, when I see the one who took my sins away, when all the trials of life would have all passed away, and Jesus Christ wipes my tears away. 
form the image of me of this earthly life and I'll bear the image of eternal life now I'm home at last because you made the way by his love for me and his amazing grace I'm finally Resurrection day When I see the one Who took my sins away When all the trials of life Would have all passed away And Jesus Christ Wipes my tears away I'll finally be Home at last Finally be Yeah, yeah, the
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Welcome out to the Potter's House Church where Jesus is Lord and we're glad to be serving him. And you join in with us as we lift our voices, lift up the wonderful, marvelous name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to sing John was in the spirit. John was in the spirit on Lord's day. He heard a voice from heaven. Oh 
liberates the soul that turns to him. We're going to continue to worship the Lord as we sing. This is amazing grace. What God has done for us is truly an amazing Truly fall in love with the 
on bended knee and a humble heart we come before the Lord tonight. He who is faithful to help us Amen. all that we are going through this evening. We want to pray tonight. Grace of God upon the leaders of our fellowship, Pastor Warner, Pastor Campbell, Pastor Greg Mitchell, others in the leadership role tonight. That God would meet them where they're at, help them, anoint them, give them wisdom Amen. to direct lives. Amen. <clears throat> We're praying for our pastor tonight, Pastor Paul Campbell, his wife Linda. Again, we're petitioning heaven for his ministry, God's anointing upon his mind and his heart, the wisdom of the Spirit of God to guide him in decisions for the kingdom of God. Praying for Pastor Chip Veneer, the assistant pastor, the Cape Cod congregation for God's help as he labors as well <clears throat> to build the kingdom. Praying for the Cape Cod congregation, the men and women there who've laid their lives down over the years for the gospel cause, uh, leaving God to help them and encourage them as well. We are praying for the leaders of our nation tonight. Our nation needs Jesus. Our leaders need Holy Ghost direction. We're asking God to intervene in places of power and bring direction to our nation. Amen. Praying for our first responders this evening, policemen, firemen, EMTs, doctors, um, those on the front lines of society, asking God to help them deal with all the things they go through, that God would meet them. Um, uh, with salvation if they're not yes, amen. saved. Amen. Praying for our family members and friends as well, asking God to help them and bless their lives, uh, even with salvation for those who do not know the Lord as of yet tonight. Amen. We're praying for our city once again. Uh, we're contending for the city of Pittsburgh. We're asking God to break this open for the gospel of Jesus Christ, we want to see the hand of God at work in this place, and we're thanking God for what he's doing thus far. Praying for the Brentwood Church, Pastor Jeff O'Brien, his wife Ricky, as they labor in the city with us on the other side of the river, believing God to establish a work of God Amen. there as well. The uh, New Philadelphia, Ohio, Congregation, Pastor Tom Cunningham, his wife Margina, God's grace there and anointing for all they're doing in that part of the harvest field again. Lifting up to tonight's special prayer, Carrie Field, it's Pastor Peter Field's wife. They labor in the harvest field of Brisbane, Australia, battling a cancer diagnosis. We're asking God for a supernatural touch in her body, that she would not have to go through a chemotherapy. We're asking God for a, a divine deliverance in our sister's life um, and help uh, all that they're going through. We're praying for Melinda Need, asking God to continue to strengthen our sister to help her uh, and encourage her uh, in all that she is currently going through. Amen. As well, we're praying for our missionaries, those who laid their lives down on the foreign field, uh, believing God to help them in their nations, uh, 
praying for Pastor Oliver Alton and praying for Pastor Donatus, his wife as they labor in these places. We're praying for uh, churches in Mexico, South Africa, Eastern Europe, amen, for God to move there as well. Hallelujah. Believe in God for miracle grace. Praying for the couple in Islamabad, Pakistan, continued favor and grace in the harvest field, amen. I want to continue to pray also for Brother Chuck Mansarella, home sick in body, asking God to help him as well and heal him and give him the victory. Continue to pray for Andre Tolivier and others who God is working in their lives. Amen. We're going to come before the Lord tonight. If you're watching online, you have a prayer request. Now is the time where you exercise your faith and believe in the living God who is able to answer. The Bible says, God, we could even think or imagine tonight. Let's join our faith together. Let's pray tonight. Ask God. Heavenly Father, tonight once again we come before your throne, God. Lord, we believe in you tonight to pour out of your spirit in this place. Lord, we walk by faith and not by sight. And therefore, God, we press to the mark for the high calling in Christ Jesus. Lord, we're asking you to bind every strategy of hell against the people of God. Father, we're asking you to intervene in every life, oh God, that has gone astray. We lift up backsliders tonight. God, we're asking you to draw them back, plant them tonight. Lord, we're seeking you for conversion of hearts, oh God. Lord, that you would rise up, men and women in this place, God, that you would do a miracle, Father. We're asking you for supernatural ministry, Oh, God, that you would move in a powerful way in these last days. And, Lord, we're asking you for the city, Lord. We're asking you to move. Give us favor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You take time to say hello to someone. Amen. Praise God. Again, welcome out to the Potter's House. Our Sunday evening service is called the Lord's Day. Woo! We give the Lord the entire day. Hallelujah. We're not part-timers, but we're full-timers. Amen. For the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Services begin Sunday morning, 1030 in the morning. Sunday night at 7 p.m. As well as Wednesday evening, 7 o'clock, our midweek service. Prayer. Now before you give our services, come out. And let God bless your life. Amen. We have prayer in the building here Monday through Friday, 7 to 8 in the morning. Uh, letting a hold of God that uh, you do as well. Uh, even in your home, if you can't get out to, uh, to church, you pray and ask God to help you uh, in your endeavors. We have prayer Saturday morning, 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, believing God to help us. And then we launch out uh, uh, sharing the gospel message uh, Outreaching, amen. The Bible says, go into all the world and share the gospel message. And we are going to do that faithfully, amen. 
Uh, looking ahead, amen, April 3rd through the 5th, we're fasting for the Cape Cod Conference, leaving God to uh, anoint the minds of the men that will be preaching, giving them traveling grace to get there, and God to bring new life to the East Coast, amen. Going to be having revival services with Pastor Jeff O'Brien, amen, April 3rd through the 6th. Looking forward to what God is going to do. We're seeking God for breakthrough, and we're believing great, great things for this revival, amen. April 9th, we're going to have an Easter Sunday morning service, resurrection service, celebrating the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, taking communion and breaking bread Thanking God for what he accomplished on the cross. Amen. Amen. He accomplished a whole lot on that faithful day. Amen. April 10th through the 14th is the Cape Cod Conference and the highest Massachusetts. Believing God for that, we'll be attending that. And so we're looking forward to what God will do in those meetings. He'll be praying for those things. And let's believe God to help us. Amen. That is all that we have for announcements tonight, so we're going to move into the offering <clears throat> this evening and continue to be faithful in our finances to God because he is always faithful to you and I. Amen. Jesus talks about the grain of a mustard seed, that small beginning that can grow into something tremendous, and I believe this is a gospel principle. We don't discount the small, we don't discount the little, because our God is great. He's able to take that seed. The Bible says it can bring forth so much that the fowl of the air can lodge. In other words, people can find a place where they can be refreshed, they can be helped. That's what the church is all about tonight. That is why we give, Amen. not only because the Bible commands us to give, but because our hearts have been changed Amen. and we're co-laborers with Jesus Christ. And we're going to see God do a mighty, mighty work in our city. Over to God. See, watching online, you can give as well. I'll click on the giving tab. And you support what God is doing. It will only bring a blessing to your life. Let's pray over the offering this evening. Father, once again, we come before you with great expectation, God. We're believing you, O oh God, to move upon this time of offering. As we give, we believe that we are breaking through spiritual boundaries tonight. God, things that we cannot even see, but you're able to see. The Lord, as we give this offering tonight, that you will begin to advance the kingdom even a little further tonight. Lord, we're asking you for the city tonight, that you will build a mighty work we ask you to bless the gift and the giver. Yes. In Jesus' name, oh, amen and amen. We're going to sing Jesus on the inside as the basket goes around.
we've been changed. We're not the criminals that we used to be. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost uh, has done a work in our hearts and in our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. What a preacher sermon I've entitled through the eyes of God this evening. We're going to be using a few verses in the book of Genesis in chapter 1. To begin to speak about uh, what God wants to help us with this evening because oftentimes in life um, we look through the eyes of man, we look through our eyes uh, and we don't understand we have a limited view, we have a myopic view as, uh, as uh, compared to God's view which is God sees the whole picture. We have a slight view, a hazy view and so it is helpful tonight to begin to look through the eyes of God. Because when we see things through the eyes of God, there is help, there's hope, there's encouragement, and there's victory when we see through the eyes of God. God created mankind, and he gave man this thing called language. So that they communicate with one another. But not only that, God gave language so that God could communicate with mankind. And in the word of God, we see that God uh, begins to use language to convey to man what he wants to speak to man. Now, God can speak to us in our spirit. Thank God for that. But even to do that, he has to use words that we understand. Amen. See, if God speaks in his language, you and I simply won't get it. That's a divine voice you and I cannot process. And so he gives us language. We can communicate with him and with one another. So I want to consider first what God sees. Because that's all really that matters. Because what we see <clears throat> does not determine anything. What God sees is the reality. Man has eyes of fantasy. Man has eyes of, you know, self-will. And what he sees oftentimes is not the reality of the situation. But what God sees is the reality. So we're going to read first in Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light. That it was good, and God divided light from the darkness. And it says, God saw, God said, let there be light. He creates this light, and the Bible says he looked, and he says, it is good. And so this is God starting creation, and his comments about it is, it is good. Hallelujah. We're looking through the eyes of God tonight. Genesis 1, we move down to verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. The evening and the morning were the sixth day. This is the final day of God's working on creation, and it says he looked at what he had made. It was not only good, but he said, it's very good. Hallelujah. And in that compliment, in that statement, he's not just talking about the light. 
He's not just talking about the stars he made. He's not just talking about the trees and the fish, but also about humanity. He looks down at mankind. He looks down at you and I, and he says, it's not only good, it's very good. But this is how God seeds us. This includes us, and the Bible proves this in the book of Jeremiah and verse 5. <clears throat> Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And so here's God, he's looking at his creation, and, and he's saying everything is good, it's very good, even humanity. He says, even before I created you, I saw you. With this, this short circuits the mind. God, he simply thinks and speaks and it comes into existence. And so God had you and I planned, amen? Uh, some people might say it was an unexpected child, but not to God. He says, I see everything. I know what I wanted to create and I'm doing this. Jeremiah, I saw you. Listen, he says, even before you came out of the womb, I was working in your destiny. I saw you, Jeremiah, and it is good. This is how God views our life. This goes beyond knowing us in the womb, but he says, I had a destiny before you. I even created you. We can't process that because our minds can't function that way. But here's God. And he says, I saw all I created, and it was very good. So the world may be trying to convince you that you're not worth much, you're not worthy, you're, uh, you, that you're not this and you're not that. But here's God saying, I saw everything I created, which includes you and I tonight. And he says, it's not only good, but it's very good. Hallelujah. We read in the book of Psalms 139, now this is fascinating. As we're talking about God and creation and how he sees us. The psalmist writes this. Psalms 139 verses 16 through 18. <clears throat> Thine eyes did see my substance, my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members are written which in uh, continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Here the psalmist is considering God and creation in his life, and he begins to say, God... Even before my substance existed, you knew me. He says, all of my members are written in your book. <clears throat> Amen. This is powerful. Because he's saying, God, I'm getting an understanding of how awesome you are. That you created me just like you wanted me. <clears throat> Isn't it interesting? People spend so much of their life trying to change who they are because they don't, they don't like who they are, but yet God made them exactly the way he wanted them to be. Amen. 
He says, how precious are your thoughts toward me? He's getting a revelation. He understands he's not a perfect human being. He says, I'm not perfect, but oh, your thoughts toward me, how wonderful they are. I'm seeing now, God, that you're not judging me on the merits of what I can accomplish, but you're looking at me through eyes where you created what you desired. Hallelujah. He goes on to say that your blessings are so bountiful, if I would count them, they would be like the sand of the sea. And so here we see the conflict in man. Here's God looking at us through his eyes, and he's pleased, he's, he's grateful, he's happy of what he has made. He didn't say, oh, I made a mistake, let me get rid of that. No, we are fearful and wonderfully made, and yet here we are looking through our eyes at our lives, and we're totally taking, oh man, this is not right. I've got this problem, I've got that problem. How can God accept me? And here's God saying, I saw you even before you existed, before your parts were formed. I saw you, I designed you, and I made you just the way I wanted you to be, hallelujah. And so when we get a revelation of this, it begins to change the posture of our spirit. As the psalmist is writing this, you can feel that he's beginning to understand that he's fearful and wonderfully made, that he's not just the product of two human beings, but there's a God involved in his makeup, in his destiny, and it begins to blow his mind. Consider that. Even before we were in our mother's womb, God was logging us into the book of life. I'm going to make this one. I'm going to make that one. I, I'm going to produce them like that. I'm going to give them this destiny. Through the eyes of God, we see that God truly cares about us. Look, in, I want you to hear this statement and never forget this. God is always looking to help us. This is important to understand that God is always looking to help us. See, the devil has so twisted uh, the testimony of God that people think just the opposite, that God is always looking to get us. He's always looking to judge us. This is why people don't want to come to church. They've been convinced that God is out to get them. But don't they understand if God wanted to get them, he could get them right where they're at, amen? Well, I don't want to go into church because God might get me. No, God, listen, he's looking not to get you, but to help you. He made us. He loves us. Despite all of our faults, the psalmist says, I'm unperfect. I'm an unperfect being. And this is the statement of all of us. Yet, God's saying, I love you just the way that you are. God is always looking to help us. Amen. Secondly, let's talk about through the eyes of grace. <clears throat> God sees everything, and people don't like this reality. And usually they don't like it because they're doing things that they know they shouldn't be doing. And to think that God sees that, that, that unnerves them as well it should. 
And so they don't like the fact that uh, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are throughout all of the earth, beholding every deed. Even if you turn the lights out, he still sees what you're doing. Even if you hide around the corner, he still sees what you're doing. But listen, he's not looking with eyes of judgment, though he will one day. But today, while you're alive and breathing, he's looking with eyes of grace, desiring to help us. Not because we've earned it. Not because we deserve it. But because we're his. And he loves us. And he wants to help us. See, the good news is when God sees someone trying to do the right thing, he comes to their assistance. <laughs> Hallelujah. When God sees us simply deciding to do the right thing, even though we might not have the strength to accomplish it, when he sees a heart that says, I want to do the right thing, God comes and he assists us. <clears throat> In the book of Genesis chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, the Bible says these words, And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, repent of me that I have made them but Noah found grace in the eyes of God eyes of grace here God's looking down and there is a totally uh, crazy generation didn't take man long to throw off God and begin to live a decadent life an unrighteous life a, a perverted life from Noah's generation is, was a wicked generation. The Bible records that for us. But as God is looking in this mass of humanity, he's not looking. He doesn't want to judge them. He's doing everything he can not to. But as he's looking, he sees someone who's attempting to do the right thing, and his eyes of grace go and assist that person. Noah, in the midst of a crooked and perverted generation, wanted to do the right thing. I don't know how this all transpired in Noah's mind and in Noah's heart, but as God saw this man, he saw that Noah wasn't really into what was going on all around him, but did not know how to stop it. He said, I'm only one man. What could I possibly do? But I know this is not right. And God sees that, and he looks on Noah, and he says, this man has found grace. That's why Noah was able to build the ark. Not because he was a, you know, super craftsman. God came to this man's assistance. When they talk about the size of the ark, as a three football field, people look at that and say, how could one man possibly build that? That's why the story's fake, it's not real. No. God comes and assists those who want to do the right thing. And no matter how great the task is, when God is working with us, as the scripture says, who can be against us? And so he sees this man Noah in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation, and he says, 
here's someone who wants to do what is right, I'm going to assist him. I'm going to get involved in his life. I'm going to cause him to escape the judgment. Amen. Now Noah was not perfect. He was a fallen individual just like you and I. But I believe there was something in Noah's heart that said, you know what? I really don't want to participate in it. I really want to change. I don't know how to stop what is going on, even in my own life. But I, God, I want to change. That's all it takes. People often say, well, when I get my life together, I'll come to church. When I change a few things, then I'll come. They don't understand if you just make a decision, Lord, I want to do what is right. God will assist you. He'll meet you where you're at, and he'll give you the strength to accomplish what it is that you need to do. God had told Noah, listen, if you want to escape, you're going to build an ark. Noah probably said, okay, great, God. I've only got a few of my family. We'll build a nice little boat, and we'll get out of here. I said, yeah, you're going to build a boat, but it's going to be an ark. It's going to be the size of three football fields, amen. It's going to be massive. God, how could I possibly do this? This is beyond me. That's right. That's why I'm going to assist you. I'm going to help you. Because the task is too great for you. How many know we cannot deliver ourselves? Amen. But thank God, He'll assist us in escaping a life that's destroying us. Romans 1, verse 26 through 28. Oh, excuse me. No, I missed one. Let's go back to uh, Ezekiel, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And he said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit entered into me when he spake to me, and set me upon my feet. Amen. Here's Ezekiel. Uh, He's in a situation where he has lost all strength. He has no ability. But he says these interesting words. <clears throat> the spirit entered into me and set me on my Sometimes that's what we need from God. Sometimes the devil knocks us down. Amen. Sometimes life trips us up. But here Ezekiel is saying that I was able to stand on my feet again. Not on my own strength. But the Spirit of God entered in and assisted me. See, God will assist people who want to do what is right. Glory to God. Amen. Just like Noah found grace in the eyes of God, you and I can find the assistance of God if we simply make a decision, God, I want to do what is right. I don't know how to accomplish it on my own power, my own strength, but Lord, I want to do that. That's what triggers the eyes of grace. I want to get involved. <clears throat> so here we see the Spirit of God enters this man and sets him on his feet, which is symbolic of being able to stand and do the will of God. Amen. This is the same thing that happened on the day of Pentecost. New Testament believers... They've given their lives to Jesus. They've seen him resurrected. He told them to go back and wait in Jerusalem for the promise. They go back. They're fearful and they're afraid. 
The only upper room, they locked the doors, they barred the windows, uh, they, they were just locked in. <clears throat> oh, we know what God has called us to do. We want to do, we want to take the gospel into all the world, but all this, this fear has gripped them. And the Bible says, as they were in that place before God, desiring to do what is right, but not having the strength or the power to do it, the Bible says, there came the sound of a mighty rushing wind. That the Spirit of God came in and began to assist these men and women to stand just like it did for Ezekiel. And the Bible records that they spill out onto the street, amen, and they begin to proclaim the gospel message with great boldness that they turn the place upside down because whenever God sees someone who desires to do what is right, he'll assist it. He'll assist it. Amen. That is why we're blessed tonight because God's going to assist us because we want to do what is right. Hallelujah. Exodus thirty-three thirteen. Now therefore I pray thee if I have found grace in thy sight. Show me now thy way that I may know thee. That I may find grace in thy sight. And consider that this nation is thy people. Moses had been talking to God. He's, he's struggling in some areas of his life. And he says God I want to see. I know that you're real. I, I talk. I converse with you. But God I want to see you. I need a visitation if I'm going to be able to accomplish what you've called me to do, which is to get these people into the promised land. And he says, God, if I have found grace, Moses began to understand, got a revelation of God. God helps those, amen, who need assistance. There's a grace of God. He looks at us, and he desires to help us. And so Moses says, I, I want to see you. I mean, we need to see God in our lives. We need to see him moving. We need to see his power. We need to see his dominion at work in our life. And Moses is saying, God, if I've got grace, if you're looking at me with eyes of grace, then what I'm asking for is a visitation of your spirit. Because the task you've called me to do is great. We know God told Moses it's a place I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to cover your eyes as I go by. And when, when, I'm, when I'm by you, I'm going to release my hand and, and let you see uh, my back. If you can't see all of me, you won't survive. But I'm going to show you who I am, Moses. Hallelujah. It says in Exodus 33:21, And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me. Thou shalt stand upon a rock. We know we need to be standing on a rock. There's a place God says, and when I I want to place you on a rock. See, sin in the world places us on shifting sand. That's why people have no confidence in life, because life is always shifting and moving. Uh, there's no steadiness to it. But here's God saying, because you found grace in my sight, I'm going to put your feet on a rock. You're going to stand in a place, Moses, that is firm, that is secure. You're going to know, amen, that there's no shaking and moving. There's a rock, Moses, a place by me. This is what God does for us. 
He takes us from the sinking sand, the miry clay. He sets us upon the rock of ages, who is Christ Jesus. There's no shadow of turning in God. We have a firm foundation, and we stand now by the grace of God. Not because we are deserving, but because God has eyes of grace. God still has eyes of grace. In the year 2023, God has not lost his sight. Amen. He still got 2020 vision. If that's God probably has better vision than that. He's got the eagle's vision. And he's still looking with eyes of grace. He's still looking for men and women he can assist in their lives. Hallelujah. There's a place by God for each one of us. A place where we can stand and feel the security of God. It's on a rock. And the name of that rock is not Gibraltar. The name of that rock is Jesus. Hallelujah. God saw Noah's situation and he provided an ark for Noah to escape in. God saw the situation of the early generations and he provided a savior for people to escape in. And his name is Jesus. This is the grace of God. No one earns salvation. No one deserves salvation. It is the gift of God to all those who desire to do what is right. God will assist us because he has eyes of grace. Romans 6.14 For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but you are under grace. Eyes of grace. God is looking down tonight, and though he knows all of our faults and our shortcomings, he's looking with eyes of grace. What can I do to help them? What can I do to assist them? Oh, I'm longing to put them on the rock that they would stand. I'm longing to help them build an ark so they can escape all that they're going through. God is looking at you and I tonight, just like he did the original creation. He said it's not only good, it's very good. Hallelujah. So we have to begin to look through the eyes of God and stop condemning ourselves and letting the world condemn us because God has eyes of grace for you and I. Let's look finally at seeing the end. Because the reality is, as I say oftentimes, everything has an expiration date, even you and I. Where we're going to go into a realm of life that is going to be totally out of our control. And the only way that we're going to survive in that realm is by the grace of God. What I'm saying tonight, there is a finish line. You and I are going to cross. There's a finish line that man cannot avoid. I don't want to run this race. You have no choice. There's a race to be run called life. There's a finish line called eternity. 
Every one of us will have to cross that finish line. So we need to see the end. One of the reasons people never repent of their sin and turn to Jesus is they can't see the end. They've been convinced that they're going to come back and get a chance to do this again. We're going to have reincarnation. There is no finish line. It's just they keep moving the finish line. Or some will say, uh, once you die, you die. That's it. You no longer exist. And so they can't see the finish line. To them, there is no finish line. But we must be able to see the end. That's how we're going to make good decisions concerning eternity. Ecclesiastes 8, 11 through 13. This explains why people cannot see the finish line. Listen to what he says. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Though a sinner do evil in a hundred times and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before him, but it shall not be well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days, which are, amen, as... <clears throat> which are as a shadow because he feareth not before God. And so here's Ecclesiastes. Now this is, this is the book of wisdom by Solomon. And he says the reason why people can't see the finish line, the reason why people continue to sin is because sin is not judged immediately. This is, the, this is a quandary for mankind. God has eyes of grace. He doesn't judge us immediately. And there was a time he did that. You remember when David was trying to bring the ark uh, up, up to the, uh, the temple. He put it on a cart, which he was not supposed to do. Uh, that was a violation. So he has it on the cart. They're driving it. Uh, it hits a bump. The ark is about to fall. A man named Uzzah puts his hand forth uh, and touches the ark, and immediately he smote, he and he's done, he's finished. Because that was not lawful. And there was no grace at that time, but thank God for Jesus Christ. But see, the reason people keep sinning is they don't get judged right away. I mean, it'd be a whole different story if the moment you sin, there was a judgment came down against your life. Like the, every time you sit, a lightning bolt, bang, right by you. Hey, you get the point. You know, I better stop doing that. But that's not what happens. People sin. There's no consequence immediately. They sin. There's no consequence immediately. They sin. And so they can't see that there's a finish line. The man of God says, uh, one thing I know. Though they continue to sin, it will not prolong their days. The end is coming. They're going to stand before God and it's not going to go well with them. But to the righteous who try to please God, who ask for God's assistance, they're going to be all right because they understand something. There's a finish line. I'm going to stand before the creator who looked and said it is good, it is very good, but on that day, it's going to be very bad. 
if you've not lived for Jesus. And so the reason that people continue to sin unabated is because they are not immediately judged. So this is kind of a quicksand here. God doesn't judge them, so they keep sinning. And so if God did judge them, they'd be done. God's given them a space of repentance. But man's heart is set to do evil, the scripture says, because there is no immediate judgment on his life. Matthew twenty two thirteen. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness. There shall be a weeping and a gnashing of teeth. This is the finish line that they denied existed. We're going to live our lives the way we want to live them. No preacher's going to tell me how to live. Nobody's going to define morality for me. I have my own morality. And on and on it goes. But the moment they step across that line, the finish line, the end of all life, they step into a place where they no longer have control. And it says, the king says... Bind them hand and foot. In other words, you have no more control. You're not calling the shots anymore. You are under the authority of a divine being. Bind them hand and foot. And it says, cast them into outer darkness. You've crossed the line forever. And now you're receiving the recompense of your lifestyle. You're receiving that thing that you thought you had escaped. So you were deceived by the devil, thinking your sin would never find you out. But the moment you cross the finish line, you cross that line, and all of a sudden, bind them hand and foot, cast them out. There's no more grace at that point. God's grace is available now. God's eyes are available now to help you with this grace. Well, this is the end that awaits all of us. We're going to cross that line. But if you've seen that, you know that's coming, you begin to conduct your life in an appropriate way. See, God wants to assist us. Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. God wants to assist us. And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. And Satan, standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said, Satan, the Lord rebuked thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that have chosen Jerusalem rebuked thee. Is this not a brand that is plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thy iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of remnant. This is what happens when those who have called on God for assistance cross the finish line. This is the end. This is the picture. This is what we must see. He arrives in eternity. Joshua is symbolic of a man trying to live for God. Yet the Bible says his garments are filthy. 
Doesn't the Bible say that our very best before God is like filthy rags? And so Joshua, he's lived the best life he can. But as we, we, we arrive before God, if all that we have on our side is our own ability, God looks as if those are filthy rags, man. This is the high priest. In other words, here's this religious person who knows God, but in the sight of God, on our own merit, we're in filthy rags. But the good news is Joshua had called on God for assistance. The eyes of grace had been at work in his life, and Satan is standing there to condemn him. How do you know the devil's going to condemn you to the very end? Oh, he don't deserve heaven. Look what he did. He did this and he did that. And you know what? The devil will be telling the truth for the first time because you did those things. But God responds and says, I rebuke you, devil. Oh, glory to God. I rebuke you, Satan. Glory to God. He says, is this not a brand that was plucked from the fire? And what he's saying is, this is a life that is lived for me. Yes, there was sin. Yes, uh, there was trouble. Yes, there was sh false and shortcoming. But I've plucked them from the fires of sin. And he goes on to say, take the filthy garbage from him. Give him a change of remnant. Put on a white robe, a robe of righteousness. This is the finish line for those who have lived for God, who submitted to God, who've experienced the grace of God, we're not going to arrive before the throne of God on our own merit. You do that, your rags are filthy. Your garments are filthy. But God says, give them a change of remnant. Hallelujah. This is the finish line, beloved. This is a picture of God's grace. That he didn't have to do that for Joshua. This is a picture of God's grace at work. You and I are standing before God. Filthy rags. And we did our best, but you know, our best just wasn't fake. But God in his grace, listen, he looks at on the final day. Looks with eyes of grace. And he says, I don't see any filthy rags. I don't see any filthy rags. Give him a change of remnant. I'm going to bless him. I'm going to give him the glory. I'm going to let him experience the grace of God for all of eternity. That's what we're called to tonight. God is looking now. He's not looking to judge us. He's not looking to get us. He's not looking to punish us. His eyes of grace. He's looking to assist us. To do what is right. Amen. Let's bow our heads tonight. Amen. Through the eyes of God. What God sees tonight. So powerful. When he looks at you and I. He sees people. He says I want to assist them. Oh I want to assist them. I've tasked Noah with building an ark. The task is greater than he is. But I'm going to assist him. I'm going to help him. Jesus gave his disciples a monumental task. Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And they're thinking, man, this is larger than we are. How can we accomplish this? God says, I'm going to assist you. 
Spirit of God comes. Ezekiel said, the Spirit of God entered me and set me on my feet. God told Moses to place by me a rock and I'm going to put you on that. That's what we have access to tonight, beloved. A God who will enter us, put us on our feet and stand us on a rock so that when they've crossed the finish line, we won't hear bind them and cast them out. Well, you're well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou through the joy of the Lord. Thou hast been faithful over a little, I will make you rule over much. A God who looks to assist us. What are you struggling with tonight? Sin got you. Addictions got you. Do you desire to be free? If you want to be free, the Bible says God is looking with eyes of grace. He'll meet you. He met Noah and helped him escape. He'll help you tonight also. Our heads about our eyes are closed. You're watching online tonight. You're not right with God. You're stuck in a life. You're stuck in an addiction. You're stuck in rebellion. But you don't want to be there. Just like the Gadarean demoniac, he didn't like the life. He ran toward Jesus, and Jesus assisted him. He gave him deliverance. Tonight, won't you run toward Jesus? Won't you desire to do what is right? God wants to assist you. You're not saved. You're not right with God. You're not born again. You know that you're not going to make heaven your home. But tonight, won't you change that? Lift your hand and put it right back down. Say, Jesus, be merciful to a sinner like me. I need salvation. Hallelujah. Tonight we're blessed because God looks to assist us. <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter what we're going through. It doesn't matter how great the task. God is looking to assist us. He looks at us and says, it's good. It's very good. Hallelujah. If you're watching online tonight, you're not right with God, but you would like to be, you'd like to give your life to Jesus Christ. I want to take a moment and lead you into a prayer of faith that is going to deliver your soul. If you pray from the heart, Lord Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross to pay the price for my sin and that you rose from the dead to validate my new life. I'm repenting of my sin, Jesus, inviting you into my life to be my personal Lord and my personal Savior to live for you from this day forward in Jesus name Amen the Bible says that sin should not have dominion over you today you've broken the power of sin chains have been broken the prison doors have been opened you've been liberated by the eyes of grace through the Son of God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Lord, you've called us to a monumental task, even as you did Noah, even as you did the early disciples, Lord, that they desired to fulfill your will. You assisted. I'm asking you tonight, God, to assist your people. God, to assist your people. Meet the calling that you've given us. But Lord, we see the finish line. We see the end. We understand that in the end, you win. That's why we're committed to you. To live for you. To do.
do the will of God. Oh, God, we thank you tonight. The grace and mercy of your King. Lord, we surrender all to you tonight. The blood, the blood of Jesus brings deliverance. Hallelujah. God, we bind every lying spirit of hell tonight. God, we're calling for assistance. Hallelujah. You pray for salvation tonight. The Bible says today is the first day of your life. Everything you did before has been washed away. Bible says he cast our sins as far as the east from the west. You have a new beginning tonight. Now you need to walk in that. Allow God to direct you. Allow God to speak to you. That you will cross the finish line in good standing. That the eyes of grace would meet you in eternity. And say, is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Is this not a life that I've chosen to preserve? for eternity. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you. Hallelujah. Jesus. You're worthy of all praise, Lord. God is a good God tonight. We thank God he has eyes of grace. Uh, he looks at us. He sees people that he wants to assist. Amen. We want to close our service tonight in a word of prayer. If you pray tonight, you contact us. Uh, we'll help you. We'll give you the victory. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus tonight, Lord, we're thanking you once again for your eyes of grace, your divine assistance, Lord. Overshadow, protect us. Bring us back safely again. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Hallelujah.